Kokoye so much to be thankful for thank him praise him this morning he is worthy if he's done something for you today worship him if he's healed you today praise him if he's brought you out of a situation or a circumstance give him worship for it lord i know you today jesus I know what you're capable of, God, and there is nothing impossible with you today, Jesus. I worship you, God. Lord, you are worthy today. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of worship. I lift my voice to you. I open my spirit to you. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you are faithful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's continue to worship him. Let's open our spirit to him this morning. Let's entertain him this morning because he is king. He is savior and he is God. He is the one true living God today, and his name is Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, the blood, crimson love, price of life's demands. Shameful sin placed on him the hope of every man. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. Sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Save your son, holy one, slain so I can live. See the Lamb, the great I am, who takes away my sin. Oh, the blood, oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. 
What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Oh, the blood of the Lamb. When you when you realize and begin to recognize that the blood truly has saved your life, that that's the reason that we are alive today, it makes the blood so much sweeter, and that makes us be able to just sing, Oh, the blood of the Lamb. And it's just simple words, but like I said, when it becomes real and you recognize that my life has been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the blood 
precious blood of the Lamb. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Precious blood of the Lamb, what a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. My shame was great, but Jesus is greater. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. My shame was great, but Jesus is greater. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. My shame was great, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything. 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 
Jesus is greater than anything to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. power in the name there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus oh to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power. To break every chain, 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 to break, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. I hear those chains. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. Break every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, every chain of our minds, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. My sin was strong, but his blood is stronger. My shame was great, but his blood is greater. My sin was strong, but his blood is stronger. My shame was great, but his blood is greater. Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus is greater 
than anything. Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord, we worship you. Father, you are faithful. We worship you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's good to be here with you all. You may be seated. I'm thankful to celebrate my birthday today. But most of all, I'm thankful because these years that the Lord has given me have been full of blessing. Such beauty and greatness I cannot explain. And I'm so thankful to him. I, uh, I'd like to call two ushers. We're going to pick up the tithes and offering. I, uh, when I was without God, there was no beauty or life in me. Uh, I'm thankful that he found me where I was. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 43 verse uh, 23 or uh, 25 here the Lord's talking to the people of Israel and he's letting them know that they're his chosen people and everything that he's caused in their life from the moment that he took them out of Egypt the moment that they realized that he was with them that everything that he gave them of increase, everything that came was from him because he loved them. He had good plans for them. And I see them engulfed in all their issues and problems and troubles. And the Lord says this to them in Isaiah 43:25, I, even I am he, who blots out your transgression for my namesake, and I will not remember your sins. You are his very own special people. This is why he shed his precious blood for you and me. 
for our lives to produce goodness for him, for his own sake. Amen. Let's pray for these tithes and offerings. Father, I thank you for your precious blood. Father, that you shed, Lord God, for us. We thank you, Lord God. We ask you that you bless these tithes and offerings today, Lord. Father, we recognize and know, Lord God, that you are good and faithful, Lord God. And everything that you give, Lord God, of increase, Lord God, is for our, Father, for our own sake, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, blessed be your name. Ushers, if you go forward. Let's worship and praise him, amen. Jesus, And I was a wretch, I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. In sin, separated, the preach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight so you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt i owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it has washed me white Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. And you took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. 
Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Last night I was I was thinking about about the blood and um If you couldn't tell, there's been a little bit of theme in the songs we were singing today, but um, I just, I began to look back and think back of, of my life, and, and I think all of us can look back and we can, we can see mistakes that we have made or times where we've fallen short, and, and I began to do that last night. And as, as I began to pray... The Lord led me to pray for his blood over every, every memory of every failure of every sin. So that when I look back and I, 
I can remember a time maybe where I messed up or fell short. I don't see that and begin to feel shame, but instead I look back and all I see is the blood. I just see the blood washing away every sin. I look back and it no longer causes pain or shame, but I look back and I rejoice because of the blood that he has shed for my life. The blood isn't meant to make you forget everything. It's meant to change your life so you realize where he has brought you from. So I wonder if one more time we could just sing this song and just thank him for the blood that he shed for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Why don't you lift your voices and hands with me one more time? Lord, we praise you. You're the reason we're here this morning, Lord. You're the reason we've come to worship together in unity, to magnify the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We give you glory today. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. Thank you for your long-suffering that is salvation to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Father. I praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What a privilege to worship the Lord together today. Amen. It's wonderful to be here with you. I'm thankful you're here. Most of all, I'm thankful he's here. He is the reason we come. He is the reason we worship. He is the reason we sing. He is the reason we cry out. 
He is the reason. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. And I don't know what you're expecting today, but I believe that because you're here, the Lord would desire to minister to you. We're thankful that if you're a guest today, we're honored you're here. And we pray that the Lord is willing that we'll find you here again. And uh, I feel the sovereignty of his presence right now, as I know many of you do. And I'm certain that he is here with purpose. And some of you walked in here this morning and you did not realize it when you walked in. But you too are here with purpose. You didn't realize it when you walked in, but when you walked in, there were some things illuminated in the Holy Ghost, and you're here with purpose today. God has a design and a destiny for you. I'm believing that the person that is listening is hearing today. God has a design and a destiny for you. In the name of Jesus, you haven't made too much of a mess of your life. You haven't gone so far away that the Father will not welcome you back into his arms. You have not messed up to the point of no return. The Lord has brought you here today with purpose. And he'd like to reintroduce you to the destiny he has for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. I'm going to dismiss teachers to the classrooms this morning. Amen. We appreciate our teachers and their willingness to give of themselves to instruct. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As they're making their way, I'm going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11, 4 to 11 downstairs for classes. And that will open up seats for you that would like a seat. Amen. There is a whole row up here. If somebody needs seats, the third row here has, is completely empty. It's got five nice, cushy, comfortable VIP seats. If you, um, No, also, there, there's no. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole row there. There's a row over here with four seats that are empty. I, I, people are like, that's a little closer to the front. Don't worry, nobody bites. But if, if you need a place to sit, there's a row over here with four seats. There's a, three rows back here that's got five empty seats. Amen. It's a good problem, isn't it? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord. And uh, thankful for His grace. His grace. Amen. I would like you to go with me in the Word of God this morning to the book of Luke. 
chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Praise God. The Word of God is always relevant. We live in a time in which some have chosen to compromise the Word of God in their minds in order to be relevant. There's a, some of you may or may not be aware, there's an entire movement that started about, man, time flies, so it might have been seven to ten years ago. It became known as the relevancy movement. It was saying, you know what, that the Word of God is antiquated, the Word of God is outdated, and we still believe in God, but we need to, maybe it doesn't mean what it once meant, and maybe we need to adapt and adjust the message so that it becomes relevant to the generation which we now live. Please hear me. The Word of God is always relevant to every generation. We do not need to change the Word. in order for it to minister to lives. You know, I had some chicken and carrots and potatoes last night in this big skillet pot pie. It was really, really good. Yeah, it was, Sister Priscilla. You get back there, and Sister Priscilla said, mmm. It was really good. And... uh, You know, when you're hungry, it's hard to improve on something that's already really, really, really good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the Word of God is the bread of life. And the idea that you and I could do something to the Word to make it more relevant is really got to be laughable to God. And so the Word of God is always relevant. He knows where we are. He's not interested in just giving us, you know, we live in a, uh, we live in what I call a Twitter society, 140 characters or less, you know. Some of you don't, I know you don't use Twitter, that's okay. Uh, Keep it short, keep it simple, make a point, and I'll work with that. And so there becomes no depth. It's this idea of quality over quantity, which is really a deception. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. It's deception, right? It's creeped in. There's people who have said, you know what, i got to work 80 hours a week because that's what society says now, but I'll spend quality time with my kids. And they trade quality for quantity as though quality can make up for quantity. Well, that's a lie. I believe there should be quality, but quality doesn't replace quantity. Let me give you an example. You ever been really hungry and said, man, if I had a quality one-ounce steak, I bet that'd satisfy my hunger. Yeah, right. 
You're like, let's not talk quality right now. Let's talk quantity. I'm really hungry. You know what I'm talking about? See, so it is with the Word of God. We want these snippets sometimes if we're not careful, and we need, we need the Lord. Really what needs to happen is we need the Lord to restore a hunger in us for the things of God. I want to be hungry for the things of God, don't you? Um, Luke chapter 17. Sorry, all that was for somebody, I guess. I don't know. Luke chapter 17, and I want to start with verse number 25. Luke 17 and 25. Jesus is speaking, and he speaks of himself here in this first verse that we're reading. But first must he suffer many things, watch, and be rejected of this generation. He was speaking present tense at that time. He knew they were going to reject him. Not everyone, but most. Verse 26, then he goes prophetic. He becomes prophetic. And as it was in the days of Noah... So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, speaking of the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. That means they got married, they divorced, they got married, they divorced. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He goes on a little further, verse 28. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Does this sound familiar? But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, the Lord has said a lot here in just a few verses. I want you to see the picture. He says, I'm about to suffer, and this generation is rejecting me. He's speaking in the present tense. But then he begins to prophesy of the end of time, and to give them a picture of what it will look like, he looks back in time to different times when he has brought judgment upon people on the earth. He first points back to Noah's day. Everybody was living. The scripture says if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 6 and read about Noah's day, chapter 7, it says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If it felt good, I determine what's right and wrong, not the word of God. I'm not subject to God. I can live my life how I choose, and that is true. He gives us freedom of choice. But there is somewhere along the way a point in time where we will all be judged by the word of God. And Jesus was making this point, and he pointed back to Noah's day. And he said everybody was doing their thing. They were living life. They were going through life until 
Noah and his family walked on the ark and the door shut. And then all of a sudden, it began to do something they had never witnessed in their life. Rain began to fall. And they began to go, maybe, just maybe, what he said was true. But it was too late. And the scripture says he destroyed them all. And to make his point, the Lord Jesus again pointed back to the past to prophesy of the future. And he pointed to Lot's day. In Lot's day, they ate and drank. They bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. And life was good as far as they were concerned, until, until the day that Lot left Sodom. And then they realized something has changed because they begin to watch fire and brimstone fall from heaven. And the scripture says, destroyed them all. Now stay with me. I know this, we're certain you guys are like, man, we're just starting right in here. We need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 19. Remember those two places that we've just talked about. Jesus said, that's how it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Luke 19 Verse 42, again, Jesus is speaking. He said, if you had known, everybody say, if I had known. You ever done something and after the fact you said, man, if I'd only known. You ever done that? Yeah, me too. It's called experience. And hopefully you gain wisdom. Experience is when you do something and you learn from it. Wisdom is when you learn not to do it again. Right? Some people get experience, but they don't get wisdom. <laughs> I want wisdom. Amen? That's the application of experience. All right. So he said, Jesus is speaking, If you had known, even you, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to your peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. Verse 43, for the days shall come upon you. See, the reason this is happening, because they didn't know. The days will come upon you that your enemies will cast a trench around you and compass you around and keep you in on every side. And they shall lay you even with the ground and your children within you. And they shall not leave in you one stone upon another. Why is God going to allow this? Because you knew not the time of your visitation. You knew not the time of your visitation. I want to, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to talk with us a few minutes this morning simply about the hour of our visitation. 
the hour of our visitation. Would you pray with me one more time and ask the Holy Ghost to speak to our lives where we are this morning by His grace. Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word is precious. Your Word is holy. Your Word is already anointed. I'm asking You, Father, I pray the anointing upon these lips of clay. I pray anointing upon our ears to hear. I pray an anointing upon our mind to hear and receive of the mind of Christ, an anointing upon our hearts to readily allow your word to find place, an anointing that comes from you that we would hear and receive of you, Father. And I pray a pure, uninhibited flow of the Holy Ghost. Only you can do this, Lord, and so I ask you to do so. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's, it's interesting to me, the story of Noah. He heard from God, and he began to build an ark. The Scripture tells us, if we read in uh, 1 Peter, I believe, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, he preached right relationship with God. He was a preacher of righteousness, and he was building this ark while he was preaching. He was working on what God had given him to do while he's preaching. There was always a message with what God had given him to do, and so he was building this ark and preaching, and people saw and heard and witnessed what he was doing. They didn't understand what he was doing. They were questioning what he was doing. We know from the Word of God they even mocked a little bit what he was doing, and uh, but he didn't just do this in a day or two. The scripture lets us to know that Noah spent 120 years building the ark. That's a long time. And none of us have been around that long. Brother Lewis is getting close, we know. But 120 years he spent building this thing. Now, I want you, if you could today, if we together could, by the help of the Holy Ghost, picture Noah in his day building. They had never seen something like this before. You know, we may drive across the mountains to Seattle and we see 40 or 50 cranes scattered across the landscape and we don't think anything of it. We're like, oh, they're building a building there. there. We've seen it before. We, we probably don't even pause and look. We just keep going. But they'd never seen this before. They'd never witnessed something like this before. And so they came to see, and, and clearly they, they saw the beginning of this massive vessel that had to take some time just to get the bottom part done. You, you know, he couldn't start on the top and work his way down. So they would witness for 120 years the building of this vessel. They would witness the sides going up. They would witness him pitching it within and without. They would, they would witness and see it growing and taking form and taking shape. And there had to be something that you realize, hold on, I, I'm, I'm starting to see something here. Before, I, I couldn't tell what it was. He had a lot of wood laid out. And I, you know, this sort of like a, I don't, you know, they couldn't call it a hull shape. They'd never seen a boat before. They, they couldn't describe it. I, I, but here it is taking shape. I, well, I. It's, yeah, it's curved. It's, that seems to be the front or the back, and that seems to be the back or the front. I, I, oh, it's wide. I, 
But they, they didn't know what they were seeing. But, but week after week, month after month, year after year, it grew. And it was being built. And they watched and they witnessed. And every time they would pass by or every time they would see or witness it through the years, they would hear Noah preaching right relationship with God. He's going to destroy the earth. He's told me there's going to come rain. It's going to destroy the earth. What I'm building is a way of safety. It's a way out. If you'll get on this when God says there will be a way you can escape. And years passed and they watched. And I could see people ignoring him. He's crazy, man. <laughs> He's been doing this a long time. I think. But don't you, I mean, doesn't it just seem like that even if you had sort of hardened yourself toward the message, that when you realize, man, I, I think he's about done. Right? I mean, you, you can tell it's got a top on it now. There's, 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 he calls that place up there a window, but that's it. And there's one door. He said, that's a door. And it, it looks like he's done. Don't you think, I mean, isn't there something that it seems like would awaken in a human being that recognizes, you know, 120 years ago, I don't know, but if what he's saying is true, he's done. And if he's done, we should probably be aware of the time. The evidence was in front of them for years. The evidence continued to mount, continued to be built. They watched it. They heard it. They witnessed it. But here's the thing. They were living their lives. They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were given in marriage. They, they were just doing... They were wrapped up in their life doing their thing that they wanted. And even though the evidence is being built right in front of them, they had heard it so long that they became numb to the message and determined it must not be true. He's just got some crazy thing. He's, nobody's ever built that before, but it's pretty amazing. But other than that, I, and they became blind to it until... Noah and his family walked on and the door shut. God shut the door and seven days later it began to rain. And then it was too late. You know, we see the story of Lot and Sodom. They didn't get as long there. I'm sure the Lord dealt with them through the years. He's a God full of mercy. He had to have dealt with them before those angels showed up to get Lot out. That's how God works. He's merciful. He extends mercy. He, he, he had to do that. He had to keep extending mercy to Lot and his family and the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not the will of God that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, the Scripture teaches us. God doesn't get pleasure out of judging people, but He's a God of truth, so He has to honor His Word. And there are consequences to sin and life. Thank God for the blood. And so... Here's Lot, and finally the angels come, and they take Lot out of the city. Lot had appealed to his sons-in-law. But they were so intertwined in the city, and it sounds so much like my day and yours. 
They ate, they drank, they planted, they builded, they bought, and they sold. They probably had eBay in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> See, it, things haven't changed much. What were they doing? They were living life for themselves. Living life to themselves. Let's build a bigger house. Let's move across town. Let's buy this. And Nothing wrong with doing that if... They're attentive to the voice of God, in tune with the plan of God, doing the work. But they weren't interested in that. They were interested in their life so that when angels came into a city, but notice, as soon as Lot was out of Sodom, it began to rain fire and brimstone. And Jesus said, just like it was in Noah's day, just like it was in Lot's day, that's exactly how it's going to be when I come and take the church out of here. People are going to be eating. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be living their lives, planting and building and just buying and selling and doing their thing. Evidence has been mounting all around. And then what's going to happen? Just like he took Noah and his family out. Just like he took Lot and his family out. He is going to reach in and he is going to take his church out of the earth. And when he takes his church out of the earth. It will be too late. For those that heard and watched and witnessed and wondered maybe someday i don't know right now i'm you know i'm busy i'm living life i'm i, I got things i'm doing I, I one day i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to make some commitments one day i'm going to someone hearing today i know some of you are sitting here and you're going man elder hart doesn't preach like this or this i can only do what the holy ghost is telling me today Do you see the comparative that the Lord Jesus was drawing? He took Noah and his family out, and it began to rain. He took Lot and his family out of Sodom, and it began to rain fire and brimstone. He's going to take the church out of the earth. Do you think that if those people that had heard Noah preach for 120 years had another chance, they would have got on the boat? Do you think those people that heard Lot say, you should get out of here with me, do you think if they had another chance they would have went? Absolutely, unequivocally. How is it that a God, people ask this foolish question sometimes because we're human and as humans we ask foolish questions. That's what we do sometimes. They ask this question, how can a God who is love destroy people? Really, the question's the wrong question. The question should be, how can a God who has the right to judge people be merciful for so long, even though people reject him and deny him and, and disobey his word, and yet he continues to have mercy after mercy? How can he be so long-suffering? That should be the question. He's long-suffering. 
You understand? He's like, I mean, we just have to consider our situation. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. You understand? But it's his long suffering. His long suffering found me in spite of myself, in spite of we were rejoicing. It's wonderful to see Aurora this morning. We baptized Aurora Tuesday night in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. It was so wonderful. And it, it was beautiful to me because I, I remember 10 years ago sitting in Bible studies and her hearing the word of God. I'm not picking on her this morning. All of us could sit in the place where she's sitting and, and be the... How is it she heard 10 years ago and never responded? Oh, thank God. He kept life in her during those 10 years. Thank God. And now what's happening? I think about Amber over here. I remember Sister Mary years ago trying telling her. I told her stuff and, I, and just, oh, pray with me for my best friend, Amber. I don't know how many years it's been. But the long suffering of God. And I look around this room, I could go person after person for many of you. I see Rigo back there, and I think about him and Denise and thought, oh, dear Lord, I don't know. There, there's no hope. <laughs> I don't think that anymore, but I, I, oh, don't laugh at me. You're as human as I am. I probably thought that about some of you, too, and you probably thought that about me. Why? Because we're human. But God is long-suffering. He's merciful. And he gives years and years. And Why? Because he keeps reaching. The love of God keeps reaching. He has the right to destroy us because we violated his word. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. But the love of God and the mercy of God keeps reaching and keeps reaching. But if I'm not careful, I miss the indicator. The ark is getting close to being finished. The ark is almost done. It seems this message that Noah has been preaching, if it's true, then what he's saying, he's got to be telling us, guys, I'm almost done. I, I think it's getting close now. I can tell you I'm finishing this off. I'm done with everything God's told me to do. And he said once I'm done, he was going to do something. I'm, I'm telling you, it's late. And the scripture gives us evidence upon evidence upon evidence of the coming of the Lord. It says in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famine. There will be pestilences. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. You start looking at those things the word of God tells us. And we see clearly we're as close to the coming of the Lord as we've ever been. It also tells us that in the last days there will be a great falling away. Those that once knew the message. Those who once had an abiding relationship with God. Those who had once been filled with His Spirit. They went back into the way of Sodom and Gomorrah. They went back into the way of the world. What happened? They just got busy building and planting and buying and selling and eating and drinking. And they got caught up living their lives for themselves. And they no longer put their focus and emphasis and commitment on the kingdom of God. And in the last days, the scripture says there's a great falling away. But thanks be to God, the scripture also says that in the last days there would be a great harvest. He would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Don't think for a minute that because we're beginning to see more and more people that God is drawing and opening the door to that, 
Oh, man, we figured some formula out. We not a chance. We got some proven method. We know what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. The spirit of God is working in the earth to draw people like he never has before. Just before that trumpet sounds and he takes his church out of here and he's saying it's getting late. It's getting close. It's getting time. And what's happening? There's some that will be destroyed. We read in Luke 19, just like Jerusalem is hearing the word of God. He said, because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. I visited you. You didn't recognize it. The Old Testament. 39 books. The law, the Psalms, the prophets. All 39 books, the scripture tells us and shows us and proves. All 39 books of the Old Testament. All they do is testify about Jesus. All they do is point to Jesus. All they do is prophesy of Jesus. All they do is give types and shadows and symbols of Jesus. All they do is show there's a redeemer coming. God's going to wrap himself in flesh and come and dwell among us. There's going to be born to us a child. A son is given. The government's going to be upon his shoulders. His name's going to be wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's going to deliver us. He's going to establish a king. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. And Jerusalem is looking. And he's there in the midst of them walking and preaching and teaching and doing miracles. And they don't see it. They're blind. That's what Jesus is talking about. You don't recognize I'm visiting you right now. Why? Because you're content with religious routine. See, they were wrapped up in religious tradition. Synagogue every Sabbath. Say my prayers in the morning. Read my Torah to say I did that. All religious routine. No righteous relationship with God. So they never recognized him when he was robed in flesh standing in front of them. He said, you don't recognize the time of your visitation. The spirit of the Lord is dealing with my heart today and I believe he's appealing to the heart of the people of these valleys it is the time of our visitation if you had lived in Jerusalem during the three and a half years of Christ's ministry if I had lived in Jerusalem during the three and a half years of Christ's ministry, would I have been too busy with my life to notice? See, religion was more convenient than discipleship. Religion was convenient. Because you could continue to live your life, do what you want, just check the religious boxes and everything's fine. 
Jesus, when he came teaching, he said, matter of fact, in Luke 17, except you lose your life for my sake, you'll not find it. Unless a man takes up the cross and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. He was inviting them to something. And yet, it seems so crazy and ironic after three and a half years of ministry. On the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 people in the upper room. Now, we know it grew from there. Thank you, Jesus. But think about that. On the day of Pentecost, after Christ had ministered for three and a half years, and then after he had shown himself alive for a little more than a month, and he told on the Mount of Olives, he told 500 people. We know there were at least 500 people on the Mount of Olives when he ascended. He told 500 people, go to Jerusalem and tarry. It was only three days difference. Or seven days difference, sorry. At the most, it could only be seven days difference. The day of Pentecost is 50, 50 days after Passover. He was crucified on the Passover. He rose again three days later. He showed himself alive for 40 days before he ascended. That only leaves about seven days. 40 plus the three and seven makes 50, 50 days after Passover. They only waited about a week. And in a week out of 500, 380 had other things to do. Now, I believe that some, if not all, of those 380 heard from the other 120 and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Right? But can you imagine those 120? I was there on the day when cloven tongues came like as a fire and began to sat on us. I couldn't see above my head, but I could see above everybody else's. And they said it was over my head, too. And, and there was flames like fire on top of our heads. And there was a language we hadn't learned, but I can tell you it was like nothing. It just began to come up out of me. And I knew that the Jesus that we had witnessed in person, that we'd watched ascend on the Mount of Olives, I could tell that very same spirit that dwelt in him came inside of me. And I began to speak, and really it wasn't me talking. It was the Spirit of God began to speak through me in a language I hadn't learned. And I was consumed. It was like fire in me. And this must have been what he meant when he said he'd baptize me with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I was there. You were with me on the Mount of Olives, remember? They didn't recognize the hour of visitation. Someone please hear today. Please hear today. It's late. It's late. It's late. Every priority in your life and mine should start with the kingdom. Every priority in my day should start with the kingdom. I understand we have jobs we get to go to and work. I thank God that we have those privileges. I understand we have bills to pay and we have houses to take care of and cars to work on. And I, I understand all of that. We don't, we don't get to just go, oh, I stopped living my life. I become irresponsible. That's not what I'm talking about today. But our focus, our priority, our commitment, our attention, our awareness must be this is the hour of our visitation. This is the time. You understand that the Lord Jesus chose you and I to live in this hour. 
picking on Brother Lewis because his birthday, right? He's 47 years old. Is that right? Yep. He's 47 years old. The Lord knew he would live in this hour. And the Lord knew you would be alive in this hour. What does that tell me? I'll tell you what it tells me. It tells me that God thought, I can use them in this generation. And if I can get a vessel that's willing to submit their life to me in this last day, I'll use them. You think apostle, you know, we read about the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul and John and these different ones. I'm telling you, they didn't have anything on us. I'm not belittling them. I'm not making us something greater. We're all children of God. But if we're filled with the spirit and we can and should be the same way they were, God's going to do his greatest work through the church in the last hour. I don't want to be so busy buying and selling, and building, and planting, and eating, and drinking, that I miss the visitation. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is visiting the earth in a manner in which He has never visited the earth right now. And it's only going to increase as the day draws closer. It's time that I make up my mind and I determine nothing matters more than getting in the boat. If I can say it that way. And getting every person I can in the boat with me. You understand? Every person I can. I've got to be about my father's business. I've got to be about my father's business. I've got to be reaching. I've got to let them know there's still power in the blood. It can cleanse you from all your sin. You can be filled with the Spirit of God and your life will never be the same. You think living out there is something. Wait till God fills you with His Spirit and you know what it is to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's time to recognize our visitation. It's time to realize He's moving in the earth. He's moving upon the hearts of men. He's moving upon the souls of men and now more than ever I need to recognize and realize it's a visitation of the spirit of God and I must be actively engaged in what he's doing and God help me to eliminate every distraction now I realize there's some of you here today you're, you're committed and there's some of you here today you want to be committed it's interesting I find the apostle Paul and I'm finishing we find the apostle Paul in prison and King Agrippa passes through and he hears about the apostle Paul from Festus who has, has him as a prisoner and King Agrippa says to Festus I'd love to hear his story and Festus says okay tomorrow you will I'll bring him out and he can tell you his story. You can read it in Acts 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. And he brings him and Paul begins to testify. He sees his opportunity. See, Paul's not, oh, poor me. I'm in a prison. 
Oh, please help me. It wasn't about him. He was recognizing, I have an opportunity. This king is in front of me. He may never hear again. I've got to seize the moment. I've got to seize the opportunity. And so he begins. The crowds, they're watching and listening. But he's like, here's Agrippa. And Paul, recognizing the moment, begins to address Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa, you're not ignorant of these things that have been going on in and around Jerusalem. I know you're aware of them. I know you understand the things of which I speak of, Agrippa. And he begins to address him in the I imagine that for the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it was as though it was just him and Agrippa in that place wherever they were. And he's recognizing an anointing of God upon him to reach to that man. He's not concerned with social status or standing him in chains or not. And so he's appealing to Agrippa. And he says, to Agrippa of the Lord and of the work of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the hope of the resurrection given us by being filled with the Spirit. And he's reaching to Agrippa by the anointing of God. One opportunity, one visitation, King. I'm reaching. This is the only door I may have with you. And so this one visitation, Paul is reaching to Agrippa one time. I don't know if I'll get another chance And Agrippa says this statement that should probably haunt the Apostle Paul. King Agrippa says, Paul, almost. Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. And the Apostle Paul replies to him and said, I would not that almost but altogether you are like I am, except for these bonds. I wouldn't wish that on you, King, but I wish you were altogether like me, filled with his spirit, walking in the power of the spirit. Stand with me this morning, please. I do not know where you are. Some of you I know better than others. But that still doesn't mean I know where you are. Because in your heart of hearts, only you and him know. I have hope for where you are. I have faith for where we're going. But there is a beckoning of the Spirit of God that's inviting us to recognize the visitation not from 2,000 years ago that he was speaking of in Luke 19, but the visitation of the Spirit of God in the earth in 2021. And to realize he's visiting his Spirit upon the earth in a manner like never before. Why? Because he's going to bring about end time harvest like we read in the scripture. And so it's time for me to lay aside every weight. Every sin that could so easily beset me. Anything that could distract me from his purpose and his calling and his plan. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. He said lay aside every weight. If you believe the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. He said, lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset and run with patience. Uh, The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith.
It's your hour of visitation. How will you respond in your hour of visitation? I'm opening this altar to you today. The Spirit of the Lord is inviting you to a place and a depth of relationship. A renewed commitment like never before. Because he has plans for each one of us. It's the desire of God to work in and through each vessel who will. It's the desire of God to operate through you and with you and I. God, give us eyes to see. Help us to recognize the signs all around us. Father, the same way the ark was being built, it should have been clear. Help us to see clearly. Help us to see clearly. You walked the earth in Jerusalem. It seems crazy that men couldn't see. God, help us to see clearly in this hour. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray a quickening of the Holy Ghost, a working of the Spirit in the hearts and the lives of men and women as we submit ourselves to you, to your word, and to your calling. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, as you equip us to do the work that only you can do, but you've chosen to do through your body. We submit ourselves afresh and anew. We commit ourselves to you afresh and anew. Come on, if you're here today and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. The scripture is clear. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And he would use each and every one of us. He's no respecter of persons. We sang about it all at the outset. It doesn't matter my yesterday if I'll submit it to the Lord and let him put it under the blood. He used an apostle Paul that was persecuting the church before he rescued him. He'll use you. He'll work in your life. We'll talk with him.
creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint, let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. There will be justice, all will be new. Your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so come. Lord Jesus, come. Oh, even so, come. Lord Jesus, come. So we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait. You're coming soon. So we wait, we wait for you. Oh God, God, we wait. You're coming soon like a bride. Like a bride is waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. 
like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be at church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King. We sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so come, Lord Jesus, come. So we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait your coming soon. Oh, we wait. So we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait your coming soon. Like a bride is waiting for her groom. We'll be a church that's ready for you. Every heart that's longing for our King, we sing. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come. Oh, Jesus, come. Even so, come. Oh, Jesus, come. Even so, come. Oh, Jesus, come. So we
as you continue talking to him and worshiping him. Come on, there is a deep working of the spirit that's happening in some lives today. There is impartation that is taking place in the Holy Ghost. There is an equipping. It's an equipping by the spirit of God for the work of the kingdom of God. It's not a work of man, lest we would boast, but an equipping of the spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, come on, we can't do this in our human effort and human ability. It takes the operation of the Spirit in us and with us and through us. As we yield as vessels and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you. We worship you. I need to share this today before we go. For many, this will be something you already know. We speak often of being filled with the Spirit. Being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said to his disciples, I am with you, but I shall be in you. This spake he of the Holy Ghost. We have clear and specific teaching from the Word of God. That when we repent, a true change of heart, change of mind, change of direction away from the world of sin, a turning of our heart and mind and spirit direction toward God. When we repent, and repentance is not a single action, it is a it is an ongoing action. It's, it's godly sorrow, the Bible says, that works repentance. It, God begins to deal with our heart and we see ourselves in our sinful condition because of the love of God revealing himself to us. And godly sorrow begins to deal with us and we begin to change how we think in response to God. That's repentance. We begin turning away from the things of the world and turning to the things of God. And it becomes a progressive walk in relationship toward God. That's repentance. The scripture is clear. If we repent and we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, the removal of our sins, we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We see in Acts 2 and 1 through 4, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We referenced it briefly earlier today. We see in Acts 8, Peter and John coming and laying hands on them in Samaria, and they receive the Holy Ghost. We see in Acts 10, Peter showing up in Cornelius' house in Caesarea and pre preaching, teaching the word. And as he's doing so, the Holy Ghost falls on them that heard the word. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We see in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul teaching and preaching to disciples who have not yet received the Holy Ghost. And he tells them they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they do so. They're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In all of these instances, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. A man didn't teach him what to say. Say this, say that, do it this. No, that's foolishness. It's the utterance of the Spirit of God that He comes and He fills our heart and God in His choosing. Someone said, so do you have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost? And I said, no. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. You say, well, that's what they just asked. No, it's not. 
We're not seeking tongues, you understand? We're seeking Him. And when His Spirit comes and dwells, the initial evidence, the initial evidence throughout Scripture is that they began to speak in a language they had not learned as the Spirit of God gave them uttered. The Spirit of God came in, and they had so yielded to His Spirit that His Spirit was able to speak. Does that make sense? Now, men confuse this sometimes, even in, in churchdom. We're not going to do the whole Bible study today, but you can search Scripture. There are three specific times where tongues are taught in Scripture. And so some people say, oh, no, speaking in tongues is just like 1 Corinthians where it's got to be spoken in tongues and then interpretation. Otherwise, no, that's a different tongue. That's not the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. And we read in Jude that there's a Holy Ghost that's praying in tongues, that's spiritual warfare and intercession. There's no interpretation for that. There's three different types of tongues taught in the Scripture. Again, that's a different Bible study for a different time. We cannot do the work that needs to be done in our own efforts and ability. It will wear us out. Why? I'm going to hear you. Can you just pause? Let me tell you what's happened in our world. Here's what's happened with the church. The church has given up in many ways. I'm speaking to church as a whole. Has moved away from spiritual things and moved to social good. And the church has justified their existence by doing social good, but has no spirit operating. Now, that's a broad brushstroke. I'm not saying that, but in large part... And so the church has become about social good and social justice rather than a spiritual transformation whereby lives are utterly transformed by the power of God and we become a light in darkness where lives are delivered from demonic oppression, where the sick are healed, where the dead are raised, where blind eyes are open, where truth is revealed. This is the work of the church in the earth. Will there be social good? Maybe. That's not my priority. I, I got the privilege of working with some men yesterday, thanks to Brother Martin's heart to help, where we were doing some roofing on a house. He did most of it. I don't want to paint some picture like I did all kinds of stuff. But that was social good. But our whole purpose was maybe, just maybe, to give an open door to begin to minister to Sister Stephanie's family the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in them going around saying, oh, these people are so nice, they fixed my roof. What am I desiring? I'm desiring that there might be an open door. That there might be an open door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they would come to know Him in the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His suffering, the infilling of His Spirit. Hear me. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's for you. It's why Acts 2 and 38 and 39, 238 says, repent, be baptized, every one of you. That's what the word says. I'm not throwing that in. I didn't want you to think I was filling in my own part. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for 
the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That promise is for you. So people say, well, how do I receive the Holy Ghost? I said all that to say this. This is what I felt like I needed to share. You repent. You truly repent. You get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then you begin to worship God. You don't beg and plead. Oh, please. The Holy Ghost is a gift. If you got to beg and plead for a gift, that ain't much of a gift. We just keep picking on Brother Lewis's birthdays like, I ain't giving you nothing until you beg me for it. That's not a gift. That's not a gift. We need it. And so if, you, if you're desiring the Holy Ghost, you don't beg and plead. You begin to worship God. And you remind him of his word. God, I've repented. If there's any area of my heart that I haven't repented, if there's any area. Now, sometimes what that is is I may be holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness. I may have to release that. God, help me to forgive the way you've forgiven me. If I'm holding on to bitterness, I release it, God. I, need, I don't want anything that would hinder the flow of your spirit in my life. I don't want anything in there. And so that's repentance. When I've openly and honestly before God repented, I've been washed in the blood, then I begin to worship Him. Now hear me. You're not going to receive the Holy Ghost if you don't open your mouth. This <laughs> is rocket science. It's the Word. Okay, you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost if you don't open your mouth. So you begin to worship God, however that sounds to you. God, I love you. I praise you. I worship you honestly from your heart. And as you begin to worship him, he will begin to fill you with his spirit and you will begin to speak in a language you haven't learned. Now. Here's what I've witnessed happen. People begin. They're like, I don't know what's happening to me. And they stop. What in the world was that? It scares people. You know, there's something about the powerful spirit of God coming on you. It'll it'll bring the fear of the Lord to you. And so I've witnessed people when the Holy Ghost begins to come. I see I've prayed with people. I'm like, man, the Holy Ghost is right there. Just open your mouth. Just let it out. Let it flow. And they'll be like, and shut down. Either that or just Jesus, 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 Jesus. They don't. I'm not mocking, you understand, I'm not making fun. But someone needs to hear this today. You desire the Holy Ghost, you may not feel a whole lot. His word is true whether you feel anything. Now, I think when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll know. Nobody will have to tell you, oh, yeah, 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 you did. No, nobody will have to convince you, huh, Sister Amber? Right? Nobody have to tell you, oh, no, I'm not sure. No, you'll be sure, you'll know. But you open your mouth and you begin to praise and worship God. And he'll fill you with his spirit. And it is his spirit. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so the Holy Ghost begins to lead us. The very spirit of God. is Now we're led by the spirit. As long as we yield to and obey the spirit. That becomes living with God. 
That's the discipleship part. I have to stop listening to myself and start listening to the indwelling Spirit of God. That's what it is to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Praise God. I needed to share that today for somebody. You can get the Holy Ghost in your bedroom. Ain't that right, Abel? He knows about that. You can get the Holy Ghost in the classroom. My daughter did. She was in Sunday school class one day, and the Holy Ghost came in that classroom, and every child in that classroom got filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak another. We, we got out of the sanctuary. We all went upstairs into this little classroom, and we were watching the Holy Ghost be poured out on all these kids in this class. It was beautiful. Just you and him. We're right here in this room. He'll fill you with his spirit. Amen. Could we thank the Lord together today before we go? Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing without you. I don't want to do anything without you, Lord. I want, I want you to lead and guide and direct every step, every thought, every word. I thank you today for your anointing, for the power of your spirit and word in the hearts of men. I thank you for this precious people gathered here this morning and those that joined us online. I pray the quickening word of God and spirit of God as we walk in this hour of our visitation. That we're aware, give us an awareness of the time like never before. Lead us by your spirit, Lord. Work through us according to your purpose. We praise you. We thank you. We magnify and glorify you, O God. For you are holy and righteous and worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Greet someone. And uh, we will see you here again Thursday night. And uh, amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank <laughs> you.